0: Welcome to Chick Chat with Unapologetically Karen, the podcast for women by women. I'm Karen Webb, architect, author, entrepreneur, creative junkie, and your host. Chick Chat is your resource for building your big, bold, and beautiful feminine life. So join me for some eye opening and jaw dropping dialogue that has people talking. Today's guest is Laura Banks. She is a comedian, actor, and author. She was a regular at the original Improvisation Comedy Club and the Comedy Cellar in New York City. Always interested in promoting women's empowerment, Laura is the author of one book called Embracing Your Big Fat Ass, an Owner's Manual, and more recently, The Wrath of Blonde, the making of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and other wild Hollywood adventures. Please help me welcome Laura Banks. Laura, it's wonderful to have you. Thanks for being with us.
1: Karen, it's great to be on Chick Chat Podcast. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. So let's get into it. So you are a comedian as well as an actor, and yet you started out in Kansas. When did all this start for you, and, and what got you into this kind of line of
1: work? Uh, a very depressed mother, Karen. That's what started the whole thing. Uh, I tried to make her happy. I would do jokes, and I found a relief myself in entertaining her, and she certainly found relief that combined with my love of theater and acting for many years, it was a natural that I would continue on beyond high school and college where I was starring in plays and doing things into the world of comedy. Uh, I had an unfortunate beginning. I had Karen, a lot of dysfunction in my family with some alcoholism and depression. And in fact, I lost a brother uh, to to suicide. So uh, one of my callings is to help people with, with anyone with an issue of considering anything like that, you know, to, to make the that necessary must have connections. Been, and. Yeah, and that happened
0: and you were 21 and he was 22, and that that must have been so hard to get past. It, did you want to leave from that and from the dysfunction of the family? Is that part of why you left
1: or, or not? I feel like I had to leave. I feel like had I not left, I would have been sucked into the vacuum. I think so many mm. people need to notice, are they in a very dysfunctional situation, and give up the caretaking because it doesn't work. As soon as soon as on, yes. i moved on actually my mother got better surprisingly oh, she really? started to take care of herself yeah wow which is so yep, often the yep. case because really i was so enabling true. her right exactly you so were exactly know you were mm-hmm. my book yeah my other brother even said you know i know if you not had you not left kansas that you may not have survived either because it was just a wow. very suc- dysfunctional situation so i've always been a very resilient resilient, very much of a go-getter. Didn't, didn't pays me at all that I only had $500 and I was going to move to California and got to San Diego, which was sort of the back door to LA because I knew I wanted to end up in films. And in my book, The Wrath of Blonde, okay. I go into the whole process of, of this transition. But when I arrived in San Diego, I answered an ad for an improv comedy troupe and I ended up meeting Whoopi Goldberg of all people. Wow. And she ended was up in, in the same,
0: doing- she was in the same troupe with you.
1: She, there was an ad for another player into an existing improv comedy troupe called Spontaneous Combustion. And I showed up and Whoopi wasn't Whoopi yet. She was just this powerful female comedian discovering her voice still on food stamps, mind you, that she was, she was a single mother caring for Alexandria. And we would sit backstage on, on egg crates and, and carton, you know, those things and talk about, you know, oh gosh, you know we're going to do it and yeah, we're going to make it. And, and uh, so we did (laughs) have this great troupe, you know, it was a fantastic time that, that time in San Diego for me.
0: Wow. Interesting. And then, um, so I know that the acting started with Star Trek, right?
1: Right. So I'm in the troupe for a while. Uh, then I finally get up to LA where I'm now performing, Some of the improv comedy we had at the comedy store in Los Angeles, where I'm hanging out with Robin Williams and Howie Mandel, and I'm asking David Letterman out on a date, all these crazy stories of all these famous people, and at the the beginning of the stand-up comedy scene, uh, and I talk about how my boyfriend at the time was a Playgirl centerfold. Um, Not a very good comic, Karen, but really cute. So (laughs) I, I did... I did what I do well, and I talk about it in my book, which is I gave up my own power to kind of support him for a while. And I've done that repeatedly Mm -hmm. in my life where I'm in a relationship and I take the focus off my own career, right? But I didn't do it for too long because I got cast in Star Trek, the Rathaton, where I was cast as the navigator of the USS Reliant. Now, this is a very small role, but this photo of me went around the world, Time Magazine, it was on the box cover, and that led to starring in three subsequent action pictures i don't make a movie without the word action in it for some reason karen but i was okay. also eaten by a monster so all of these oh lovely tinseltown <laughs> escapades. yes yeah yes yeah. and all That's these great. celebrity run-ins along the way of who i met warren Beatty, jack nicholson william shatner it's really like a marvelous mrs Maisel story where you right. know you're pursuing your voice yeah. as a stand-up and and you're trying to make it in a man's world and you're yes. running into all these famous people. And so all the while, you know, I'm just a gal trying to make it. And somehow I'm brushing elbows with Captain Kirk and Warren Beatty. And, and there's just <laughs> a lot of very funny stories about trying to maintain my sanity in this crazy place called Hollywood.
0: Yes. So any, any memorable, what would you say was your most memorable story? Can you share one with us?
1: Probably the most memorable story was when I met William Shatner. So I was, I dated him for about four months, which is one of the fun things about the book. It was, yes, it was wonderful. It was fun. Uh, he's, he's an amazing, there's a whole thing about movie stars. They have a whole other charismatic energy zone around them. So, you know, when I was Jack Nicholson or Warren, but when I met Shatner, it was in a very, very small room and it was at a convention in Houston, Texas, a star Trek convention. And mm-hmm. it was my first encounter with a bigger than life superstar. And it's so extraordinary. Their presence, I should say they're meaning movie stars. I've always been fascinated with movie stars and, and celebrity and, and each one I've met, they exude. It's almost like the energy around them goes like from here to, to ten blocks from here, really, is okay. a normal person's energy. And mm-hmm. it has to do, mm-hmm. I believe, with their ability to focus. They're they're very. I think it's karma. I think it's the astrology. I think it's other things too. So when I met Bill, I got this wave of this. And maybe it's because I've recognized him on TV, you know, over the years. And you know, where do you stop and right, where does that right. start? But it was just an amazing connection uh, out of the blue at this conference where I really thought I was going to be left behind because I was this, I sort of felt like I talked my way into make, signing autographs because of this small role. And then suddenly I'm, <laughs> I'm with the star of the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I quickly got upgraded. Good job. And uh, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I, I, I went for it. I had a great time with him. And, and, and part of my book is about that. It's like allowing yourself to make choices that. Others may or may not understand. And it has to do often with your sensuality or with kind of what do you want to do with that and hmm. uh, avoiding judgment in yourself and judgment from others. Because he was 20 plus years older than me at the time. Oh, and, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were so many memorable m- moments. It's Wheels of Fire, my first film that I starred in after Star Trek, I, I led a real army into battle. Like, I. I'm in the Philippines, Karen. Oh, really? And wow. they're using a real army, and I jump out of an armored personnel carrier, spray down fire repellent, which is often yeah. what I do. Thank you very much. Yeah. Some actresses get, you know, close-up touch-up with powder <laughs> and eyeliner. No, I get fire yeah, repellent. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I've died three no, times no, in okay. three different <laughs> movies. So, you know, I'm like the cat. I've got, like, what is that, four more lives left? So... Yeah, yeah so Wheels of Fire exactly. and Deep Paradise. Do. Yeah, well, oh, nine. So nine minus three is, what is that, seven? So anyway. Yes. Yeah, so uh, bad six. of math. Six uh, more. Lives. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. The, really, like, I'm leading and I'm jumping out of an arm. I mean, like, I always wanted to be in the movies because my mother was fascinated with movies and acting. I'm related to the Barrymore family. I'd always heard about it growing up. And I always wanted to be in movies, but I wanted the romantic movies. I wanted to be kissed. I wanted to have a leading man. I didn't (laughs) want to be leading armies into battle and being blown up in spaceships. That wasn't on the docket, you know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Absolutely.
0: That is great. But, you know, that was the beginning of a a career. So that's fantastic. Um, So then tell me a little. So at some point you started writing. Um, and tell us about the
1: first book that you wrote. Uh, thanks Karen. Yeah. My, I've written four books. Uh, my first book was way ahead of its time. It was called love online and it was about online dating before anybody was doing it. I was doing it. Oh, wow. I, I got mm-hmm. a book out about it early and I got on all the national talk shows right when cable was coming out and they needed guests. So great uh-huh. story. But if yeah. you want to be an author, just call yourself an author. Because that's why I couldn't get <laughs> yeah, an agent. I couldn't get a book deal. I just created this really horribly produced, self published little book called Modem Mating A Guide to Online Dating. And I took that to various publicity outlets, got bookings you know, we have with us today, Laura Banks author. And I mean, I, you know, I wasn't really, I was just determined to do it. And that's me. I'm I'm very determined. That's
0: what's great. Yeah. It sounds like you set, you know, you, you put out there your goal and you set your mind to it, no matter how hard or how big of a leap and, and you've done them, which is, which is great. Um, did you ever, um, a, uh, any love of your life on online dating?
1: Absolutely not, Karen. In fact, it's been oh, a rather okay. painful journey.
0: Right? Well, I did. Online. That's why I fully believe in oh, online. That's great. Yeah, my There's husband and I. Oh yeah, we met on Match.com about I don't know now, maybe thirteen years ago. So yeah,
1: wonderful. Um, yeah. Well, my first book, Love Online, was about all that, Karen. And they would have me on these TV talk shows like MSNBC and Fox and these and that saying, you know, we have Laura Banks um, explaining how you'll get killed if you go on an internet date. Oh, dear. All right, tell us about why everybody's dying online dating. And I would say, well, you know, they're not, and it's a trend that's here to stay. And uh, that was an uphill battle. My second book did much better, Breaking the Rules, Last Ditch Tactics for Landing the Man of Your Dreams. That sold a quarter of a million copies. Wow. career press Mm -hmm. publishers. And that, there was a book out called The Rules about how to date properly like wait for him to call you, uh, be very selective who you go out with. And it was freaking women out everywhere that they weren't playing within the grandmother's antiquated dating tips ideas. Well, we said if he has a pulse, you have a date. Make your first (laughs) date last at least 24 hours. You know, move into his place as quickly as possible. If he has a pulse, you have a date. We were a couple of stand-ups and they took us seriously. So we're getting these interviews of like, we have Laura Banks today and she's telling us, you know, how to get a guy. And I'm like, okay, these are jokes. You know, we're saying for women to wrap, wrap the thighs in cellophane and, and before the date and stick them in the microwave and maybe they'll shrink, you oh know, or build back a six pack here. They yeah. were outrageous. But in the humor, women found freedom from this game they were playing with men. Yeah. And the men knew they were playing by the rules at this point. And they knew they were being... Like the, the, the rules said, don't call them back for three days. Anyway, we blew yeah. the lid off that and that, that did real well. And then the third book was um, uh, Embracing Your Big Fat Ass, an owner's manual. Okay. And that was Simon and Schuster. <laughs> and by then, I'll tell you, I got a bidding war between Valentine, Warner Books and and Atria, which is a division of Simon and Schuster. So I went from being this decent middle act comic who couldn't get a book deal to being fought over and getting a six-figure advance on my wow. third book, and that was all just wow, self-generated. I didn't go to. A, I went to a state college. No, no advantages. I decent B student as a writer. I just tell people: start the book, come up with ten chapter outlines, choose a sort of a a good nonfiction self-help is always a great way to start a book. Yep. and everyone mm-hmm. can have a book and call yourself an author. It changes your career. It's an it easy does. thing to do. Yes. Right. Wow. So absolutely
0: yes, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've written one. And I'm working on my second. So I, I absolutely get it. What I love about that. So tell us a little about that book. Um, it sounds to me like everything is is really geared toward women empowerment. Tell us about the uh, the fat ass book.
1: <laughs> the fat ass book <laughs> yes. was now the words ass and asterisk cuss words are in the titles of books, Karen, yeah. but back then they were even Kevin Smith. No, Kevin Smith tried to release a book with the word ass in it and he couldn't. And, and our book GMA wanted it, but they couldn't get around the name ass The word ass. Really? And that, that was the point I was actually making was I want to use that word. It's an okay word. Huh. So I consider myself a pioneer in using a word, uh, that book really, uh, did not do well, uh, you never know when a book's going to get a release. And this was a 2008 with the, the collapse of the economy. And we were getting mm-hmm. a new president and yeah. the Olympics. Yeah. So always be careful when your book comes out. But the book itself was my favorite book to date. Now the wrath of blonde, my fourth book is my favorite. But at that time, the big fat ass book was because it was personal essays of pain and suffering around how both myself and my co-author Jeanette Barber suffered with carrying, whether it's five pounds of extra weight or 50 mm-hmm. pounds of extra weight, you self-qualify and you're constantly hating yourself. So the book was, right, was absolutely I, I yeah. believe revolutionary in nature. Yeah, because it was saying this was before the Kardashian fat ass was even popular. So <laughs> I've always been sort of a little bit ahead of the zeitgeist when it came to my book ideas. So yeah. back then nobody was supposed to have a fat ass if it, you know right, exactly. and, and it was about you know what celebrate the cellulite, celebrate the extra weight don't let anybody shame you most of all try to love your body in spite of the fact yes. it's so hard to love your body and and we gave essays in there about about our, our our personal journey one of my favorite stories in embracing your big fat ass was the story of my mother who wasn't anorexic and how that set me up to oh, wow. use food as a comfort as a comfort yes. food so I always carried an extra 10 15 pounds in an industry that wouldn't they don't want you at a normal weight. They need you at minus 10 pounds right. your normal weight in exactly.
0: Hollywood. Right. They so do. So I it's never crazy. really got past
1: in a lot of things because I ate food. So the book was about eat, about just go eat. And not like in a non-medical way, but the first thing if you want to people would go, well, you're encouraging women to be fat. No, we're not. We're saying first accept it and then you can do with right. it whatever you want. Right. You can right. lose, right. you can leave it alone. But all right. the same it's, hatred yes, is yes. really what stops us. Right. right. If you
0: love yourself, kind of stop that self hatred talk, and uh, right, and embrace yeah. who you are, and then you can figure out if you really want a big fat ass or not.
1: <laughs> you right. A of times, it's about it's
0: laughter that releases it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that might be your biggest asset.
1: <laughs> it is.
0: Um, right. <laughs> there you go. So yes, I love good. that. Um, love that. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, so what has your experience been like um, in, so the industry itself, I know it's changed a lot, Hollywood, et cetera, acting. Do you think it is still a male dominated industry or it was then, or that comedy was, what is your thought on that? Oh, hell
1: yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I have something in my throat. (laughs) Absolutely. That was a hell yes. Uh, It's really too bad. Gina Davis has a new documentary out about it. One looks now at the media and, and movies and says, oh, now women and African-Americans and Asians are all, they're getting so many more parts. No, it's still a, a, a fraction. Like a third of the roles go to women and two thirds go to men. Comedy is excessively hmm. male driven. When I passed at the major clubs in New York, I could not get times. Uh, my fourth book, The Wrath of Blonde, really addresses what it's like to try and make it in an industry that is male driven without any nepotism or contacts. Really, I was a woman that sort of fell between the cracks mm-hmm. that, uh, almost made some poor choices. I go in there where I, I was so desperate at one point I looked at stripping. I, I looked at actually what it, what prostitution was. And I mm-hmm. thank God I didn't do it. But yes, there was the truth is, is that a lot of young girls from Kansas and Nebraska, they go to, they go to LA and no one's sort of talking about it, um, other than to kind of sensationalize it. Mm -hmm. I am addressing head on the fact that there is a certain desperation to the situation when you are an actor in Hollywood and you're a woman and you're, and you're attractive and you're trying to get ahead and what men may try to do and what, what you may have to do to just get food on the table. And And, and, and fortunately I, I did graduate college. I did cocktail waitress and support myself, but I'm not going to say there weren't moments of, of absolute, you know, fear of what, you know, what I might have had to do. And I, but deep down as a girl from Kansas, you know, I knew I would never be able to make those choices. And the main reason, like, I don't judge a woman who's a concubine or who gets paid Mm -hmm. as a mistress Mm -hmm. or have you, you know, you know, I, I just knew if I did that, if I got any kind of coin, Bitcoin or otherwise for, for sleeping with a man that I wouldn't be able to love again, I wanted to be able to fall in love and be in love. Uh, and so I had, I had a Mm -hmm. rough go there for a while, never anything bad. I always had a roof over my head and things, but you know, there's nothing I don't address in this book. It an it is pardon the pun, an open book. It is, It shares the highs and lows and then landing up on top because I believe there's many, many people that are really right now at rock. Oh, they are.
0: I think right now people are, yeah, they're, they're at a new low. They're kind of surprised they're even at this point. I mean, with just the economy is such a struggle for everybody. Um, yeah, I can imagine people start wondering if they should do these other things they've never thought of. Um, let me just share with, with the listeners, the book is called The Wrath of Blonde. So just so you know, and you can get it, I'm sure, can you get it anywhere, Amazon, etc.?
1: Uh, right now it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books, A Million, The Wrath of Blonde, The Making of Star Trek Two, and Other Wild Hollywood Adventures as an Amazon and Outer Space. Because I don't believe anybody should have to read a memoir that isn't funny. So the book is hysterical. <laughs> it's, it's, getting, it's getting great reviews. It's a breezy ride of me getting oh, out nice. of Kansas and getting to California and all these crazy experiences. Like when I was working as a waitress as a lipstick lesb- in a lipstick lesbian bar. And at midnight they let in Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson. And that is really? one of my favorite stories. Yes. And it's Why did
0: they want to go into the lesbian bar?
1: Well, let's let's do the math, Karen. Think about yeah. it. Why would why okay. would Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson want uh, to yes. go into Lesbian Bar? Well a I Olympic could
0: see that, bar? but okay. Yeah, I could see why they would want to. I guess I should say had the lesbians feel about it.
1: Well, exactly. I, I, I don't know. I guess they're all being tested about if they were really lesbians. I, I I just waitressing till two in the morning and I got back to my little Dodge Colt car in the back of the building and there was Nicholson waiting for me. And so the story ensues. Yes. It's in my book. I actually spent a good deal of time with Jack. Uh, and he's a fascinating man. I got to ask him a lot of things about acting and there's a hysterical sort of trailer. And to the story of what happened with me and Warren and Jack, um, but I am like the Mrs. Maisel, always running into these celebrities as a stand-up comic, as a comedy writer, and even in Mrs. Maisel, she's a female writer with a team of male writers, right? As she's writing, so so you've left us with a great teaser
0: about your book, wondering what happened uh, between Warren Beatty, you, and Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Yes, So that's a good teaser. I'll be getting the book. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, That is very good. Um, All right. And so now are you currently doing any um, comedy stuff that people can go see or, or not?
1: Oh, and then just to tag that the wrath of blonde is on Amazon. I just want to be sure that that's clear. There's a Kindle version now. And uh, if they, they're selling out, but uh, Oh, there's i I'm up for a film deal on my book. That just happened a couple days ago. Oh,
0: fantastic. Okay, that's exciting. Very exciting. Very exciting. exciting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, everybody out there, it's called The Wrath of Blonde. Good. And it's. um,
1: And right now, uh, I'm on. The making of Star Trek 2. And I'm on tour, right? I'm on tour nationally. If you go to laurabanks.com, you'll see all the places I'll be signing autographs. And at each town, I'll be doing some stand up comedy. And I have a show here in Asheville where I'll be doing improv. Yeah. So if you go to, if you go to tour, it's the Wrath of Blonde tour. So if you go to laurabanks.com and you go to tour, you'll see the six cities, Atlanta, Asheville, Austin, Ticonderoga, Las Vegas, Austin. So Fun. Yeah.
0: fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Are you going to be in Arizona
1: anytime soon? That is not on the bucket right this second, but if I am Karen, I'll be sure to let you know. If you
0: are, let me know. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. So, in all of this, um, would you tell people to still pursue? Would you tell women to still pursue acting and/or comedy?
1: Yes, um, we need more women pursuing comedy. It's still a male-driven industry, and and we need to get more of those women voices out there, like Amy Schumer, like Chelsea Handler. Uh, Here is my thought always on your profession: Are you going to succeed, or are you not at being a an account executive or an accountant or anything you don't know so why not fail at what you love and and doing and and maybe it's comedy and acting here but what is the dream profession that you have listener that would get you out of the bed in the morning the same way this profession did for me and what are you willing to risk to have an exciting rewarding interesting life where you're going for your true north your your and what what inspiration would you be giving your children to see, wow, my mom's really she's going for this thing she loves, whether it's opening that gardening right, store right. or divorcing this guy and finding a way to make a living as you just gotta find the passion. You've got to find something that, right. that you love. And most of us don't know what that is. And it just takes I, I agree you, with
0: you. Yeah. yeah. I think I I try to define it um I've worked with a lot of people to figure out what their passion is. And I, the best way I have learned to describe it is it's that thing that you do that when you're doing it, you completely lose track of time. That's it's great. It's the thing that you, you do. You don't even realize that you've gotten into it for hours and you just finally look up and go, wow, that's right. that means passion took over there. Right. And if you're um, in a really... I that. And
1: what I think is yeah. interesting... I believe go if ahead. you're very go depressed, ahead. Karen, I just want to say this, if you can't get to that at all you've got to start reprogramming your brain. Listen to videos on YouTube. Um, yes. There's so many great speakers. I love I love Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks' great Great message, uh, Wayne Dyer, just any motivational, and, and you're, you're really reprogramming your brain, which is what I did. I took a lot of courses. I listened to a lot of seminars. Yeah. You've got to reboot your brain because your brain is your trickster. Your brain is not your friend. Stay out of your thought process yes. and stay in action in your yes. life. And, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think we all have like this negative recording, and it's different for each of us. And it just once we hear it, we keep on playing it, and it really can, you know, get in our own way. I, I think the interesting part for women—I think this happens more for women than for men—and um, it might just be because we are the chapters in our lives as women. You know, we change dramatically, like like when we're pregnant, having a child. You know, all of that. Your entire self changes. Um, And maybe it pulls you completely out of the workforce or in it for a while or, you know, stay-at-home mom and then you might adapt later to something different. What I find so interesting is that women um, should reevaluate in midlife. And I, I find, you know, it's like what you decided to do when you were 18 or 20 or 25 may not be the same in your 50s. And it's okay to to rewrite it. From it, that it, point
1: it, forward, it that's well you know, said, to do something new. Yeah. Very well said, Karen. And, you know, I'm in my sixties now, I hate to say it, but, and the, and the, the thing is, is like, I had to care, take my 97 year old father for four years. He didn't stay 97 all those four years, but I, wow. you know, 93 to 97. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, um, it was really, really hard and it knocked it out of me and it, and, and before that, I'd lost my business partner and best friend of 35 years. And life will deal you some pretty nasty lemonade and you have got to keep reinventing and keep keep out of your thoughts. You know, thoughts, of just yes. really, it's just so much in the action. If, if I could share anything in my success, it's to stay in action and call on girlfriends and, and hone your relationships with girlfriends who, who they can catch you. I have four, like, Women that are my pillar, right? They're my pillars, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I don't know where yeah, I'd be absolutely. without them. I don't know where I'd be without them. Oh, I,
0: I get that, and that's kind of part of why we started doing this whole uh, thing with Chick Chat is really to start creating and forming a sisterhood of support, of excitement, of you know, energy and high vibration, and um, you know, I I don't know why there's so many you know women can get into that cattiness, but without that, when you when you push that away and, and you're authentic. It's so powerful. Yeah. Women really can be. I,
1: yeah, pillars, I don't even let myself look life. at cattiness because my mother was always, Oh, don't be friends with women. And I'm, I don't care whatever happened to <laughs> women. I just never, yeah. I don't even think about that. And I know that the ones that are disappear Mm-mm. and the ones that are real stay near me. But so many times I had low yes. self-esteem in the process of my life. So many moments where, where I didn't feel good about what was happening and I had to keep reinventing myself and the book is The Wrath of Blonde is a lot about that. It's a lot about a constant reinvention.
0: Mm, interesting. Yep. I, I understand that. Yeah. Very, uh, very interesting. Yeah. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on here. If people do want to reach out to you and connect, what is the best way for them?
1: If they go to larabanks.com, L-A-U-R-A-B-A-N-K-S, there is a contact. So hit contact and put your information in there. That's the way to do it. Okay.
0: Thank you so much, Karen. This has been
1: wonderful. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.